It's time for another episode of Healthcare Technology. It's Tech Talk. It's Friday. It's Tech Talk. Is it really I'm, Friday, Brad? Is it really Friday? It is. It's Friday. It absolutely okay. is Friday. I was just checking. No, it's absolutely Friday, Betty. Are you <laughs> lost? Are you, you just have been traveling so much that you're you've completely lost what day of the week it is? I'm just causing trouble. That's I all. know you are. You know the usual. It's Friday. It's Tech Talk. My co-host, Doctor Jay Greenstein, the one and only, the big-hearted man, both heart, mind, soul, and body, Doctor Jay. What's up, buddy? Great to see you again. We literally just saw each other. <laughs> we literally spent some days together, uh, uh, eating, praying, saying good things, and uh, having a lot of fun. And yep. uh, it's always great when we're together and we we can laugh and uh, te- tease each other. I don't know how else to say that, man. We we really rolled out the red carpet for you uh, <laughs> <laughs> Saturday night, buddy. You guys, you guys were on me, but you know what? You took you it like a champ, it. man. I took it like a champ. You stuck through it. I did. I, absolutely. I was okay with it. Everybody was everybody was pulling your chain. It seems like that night. That night. I know. I know. It's good. It's though. because it's you're fine. so loved. That's what I'm saying. You're you're a loved man. Thank you, brother. So are you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, we've got a good guest today. Um, got a fantastic guest. Yeah, I've not met Rob before, but I've heard you talk about him, and uh, he actually is a close neighbor of mine. He's about yeah. three three hours away here, four hours away by three. And uh, we're going to speak a little Texan Oklahoman today. I hope you can keep <laughs> up. I'll give you some sign language a little bit in cool. case you get Thank lost. You. Uh, Rob and I probably don't speak D.C. like you do, uh, but yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll try to keep up with you, brother. Thanks, man. I appreciate Watch it. Thanks for like, keep, keeping me in the loop. I will. I'm super happy to introduce Rob McDonald. So I, I met Rob at a Christmas party in late 2019. And um, we've become friends ever since. He's become a trusted advisor, a coach, a mentor, um, and has been incredible to me and my team as we build out our technology company. So it is my pleasure to introduce Mr. Rob McDonald. Hey, hey, Jay. Hey, Brad. It's uh, great to meet you, Brad, today. And Jay, as always, great to chat. And that yeah, Christmas man. party was actually, Brad, behind enemy territory in D.C. So <laughs> oh, my gosh. I had to go up there. I was doing a little bit of charity work, traveling up, trying to teach them a little bit. No, I'm kidding. I love D.C. too. I, I joke a lot. I love D.C. too. I have family there. I love D.C. Uh, yeah. And, you know, Jay, Jay, uh, Jay is a good guy. And so D.C.'s part of D.C. at least has got to be a decent place. Part That's of it, how yeah. I view it. The exactly. fence. At, least me and, at least me and Courtney, where we live, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And the fences are coming down, right? They are coming down. Yeah, the perimeter is getting smaller, thank God. So that's a good thing. That's, that's a really a, good thing. That's a great Very thing. happy about that. Yeah. Well, Rob, welcome to Tech Talk. We're glad that you are uh, taking an hour out of your busy day to join Jay and I. And uh, let's get on the road and talk about what you do and how you can help others and learn more about you. Yeah. Rob, give us some of your background, man. Yeah, absolutely. So my, my backgrounds, I've always been a technologist, always been in technology, um, various degrees, um, you know, pre, pre-career really, you know, first computer, kind of middle school programming, really getting in, solving problems, trying to build something, break something, and um, breaking things before Zuckerberg made it cool to say, go fast and uh, break things, right? Um, that was kind of the whole industry then, right, was just trying to learn something new. And that evolved into really helping um, healthcare companies uh, over the years, from small to large, and then that slowly turned into kind of a uh, leadership within some of these healthcare organizations, building and uh, kind of for-profit acute care hospitals and things of this nature. And um, over that time, I really developed a, a love for what I do now, which is product management, kind of the, the technical side. Uh, I'm, I'm more of a technical product manager, but product management, which functionally just means trying to bring a solution to a problem in a market, right? That convergence of those two, and that's just really what excites me. So I kind of have a passion for product management, and I always have a soft spot for healthcare, given my, my time there with all of those practitioners that are doing um, 
such great work and such hard work to do. Yeah, so that's kind of a quick synopsis of my background and kind of how I got to here. That's awesome. And I'm just curious because this is a question that I have for you. You know, you, you are so passionate about the intersection of healthcare and technology. And was there something specifically that just kind of dialed it up for you? Like, you know what? I want to be part of this. I want to be part of the solution. So, yeah, that's evolved over the years. But I think, you know, it was always a human element, right? So I think, you know, you know this, Jay, because we've worked together. But I tend to, I tend to be very user-centric, uh, empathy-oriented, those, there's all, no matter what you're building, you're always building something for a user, no matter what they say, right? At the end of the day, something touches the user eventually. And my time in healthcare in the beginning, I just saw the difficulties for the physicians, the nursing, and just all of the, all, all what I'll call the human supply chain of healthcare, right? And I just wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to say, could we, could we be a technology, right? Based on what we had that day, really help those practitioners. So that's kind of where it started, right? But, you know, as healthcare has evolved, the thing that really excites me the most is, you know, by far is personalization of health, being able to really be a technology, provide real-time diagnostics all the time, and using that to personalize uh, care for those patients. Like that, I think, to a, to a significant magnitude above everything else is probably what I'm most excited about today given how far health tech has come. Yeah, yeah it's really cool. Uh, you know, I, I think about healthcare in the brick and mortar setting, and even in those situations, it's not super personalized uh, yeah. in many, many cases. So, you know, I'm wondering f from your perspective, what's the secret sauce? Like, wh what, is it, what does it take from a technology perspective or a UX perspective to actually create a digital or a or a hybrid solution that we can truly personalize healthcare to the degree with which patients really need it. Yeah, I mean, I'll set aside the economic side of it for a moment because those are like that's a whole rabbit hole that would go down that's probably not beneficial. But if we could just yep. set that aside for a moment and just sure. focus on people with the problem and a solution to deliver to those people, right? At the end of the day, that person has gone through an experience, right? Whether that was something abrupt and traumatic or something that was longer term, and I think uh, something that slowly uh, became a problem for them over time, that journey represents um, data. It represents an experience that if you don't have the context for, it's very difficult for you to unwind that or provide uh, a solution for them in the future, right? That's really difficult. And if you look yeah. at the historical healthcare setting, it's very point in time. It's very like, okay, uh, welcome to your annual physical. Here's your blood draw for that point in time. And then I'm going to recommend based on those one that one statistic, that one stat, right? And it's not just a technology issue, right? But a technology has gotten to a point where it can truly solve this now if we're willing to invest in uh, giving that practitioner, the ultimate expert, that full context, right? That full context to give that patient what they what they need. The Brad's chomping at the bit right now. Brad is chomping at the bit. I can see because he, <laughs> he's so ready, and I'm I'm waiting for you, Brad, to talk about what you've built because it is so relevant to what what Rob just said. Yeah, I don't want to even get to that yet, but because I got some questions. So, in in the equation, the trifecta that you you just mentioned, you know, the patient the doctors, the technology. I think the technology is getting there. There's no question about that. Interoperability laws are going to help that next year in a great way. But you got the patient and you got the doctor. Who do you think of those two is going to have the most difficult time accepting this? Yeah, well, that's a really complicated question, right? Because um, regulations doing what regulations try to do, and they typically do poorly, um, Physicians have been burnt out, right? They've been imposed with HIPAA. They've been imposed with all these things over the years. So now you have so much technology in their stack that is not contributing to that patient care that just adding more is it's like a shock effect. Like that. I don't want any more, right? So I, you got to deal with that on the, on the physician and care team side, right? So we've got to make sure that we're delivering the outcome. The patients, though, this is more of a question of demography, really, at the end of the day, right? So the younger generations... They're very, very used to a more digital experience, and I think it's a no-brainer. In fact, I think if you're a practitioner over the next 10 years, it's going to be very difficult for you to engage that, that demographic, uh, those several demographic sets. Um, so I, I worry less about the patient, um, assuming, though, that we can 
I didn't want to touch that economic um, rabbit hole. But we'll take it with that a little bit, right? There's a, there's a fractured market today. There's 100 different solutions for 100 different things. And it's very confusing. So I, assuming we can um, consolidate some of that around some standards, then I think that the physician side is actually the more difficult one, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I mean, just with our experience in getting providers to not just adopt new technology, but to be adopting technology that they should be adopting even before they adopt ours is is something that I see as a huge opportunity for improvement that can make their practices better, but that, that can also help them help their patients better as well. Yeah, Jay, don't, don't you agree with me? Some of that's fear, fear of sort of the unknown. I think it's generational too, Rob. That's the other thing I was going to throw in. I think it's generational, as you mentioned. The, the younger generation is going to demand it, no question about it. Apple has helped with that quite a bit, is bringing that consumerization right to the forefront. But the doctors have been, you know, stuck in the hospitals and the clinics and, you know, have very a much smaller private life than what we would think and hence haven't got to explore that the way they should. Now, the younger generation of physicians have. And, and you know, they were, they were learning and being educated when electronic health records were in place. They got adapted to that point. It's the older generation that is struggling, I think. They just, you know, again, I, I mentioned this last time. I don't know who we were talking to, but, you know, I get called out in the hallway. I don't want to hear that. I don't want anybody to know what I'm doing kind of a mentality. Don't don't go there with me, Brad. You know, they just don't want anybody in their lives. And I try to explain, guys, they're already in your lives. Do you, do you own a phone? I mean, do you know the kind of information that is being transmitted by this device and recorded by this device that leads to geotagging? And, and to me, it's, you know, it's a no-brainer is... You need to control the technology, not allow the technology. That's what I'm trying to tell doctors in our, our products and platform. Control, own, and take responsibility for the, for the data that you're putting out on those platforms. Yeah, I think that's spot on. I mean, I, I, I'm a little bit uh, kind of odd in my passions. Another passion of mine is privacy, right? So, so I'm one of the few true technologists that you know, has a very low social media footprint. I'm very much in that camp of control the technology, use it as a tool for you. I totally agree with you. I think some of it, though, is technology has let them down over the years, right? I, I, I've been so let, so let down by some of these vendors. Um, I won't name big ones, but some of the big ones, right? But they impose all this on that um, care team, that physician, and th there's very little coming out the other end for that physician. A whole lot coming out for abstraction and billing and the, the revenue side, right? Um, and, you know, healthcare has saw a shift over the year from – uh, physicians running uh, hospitals and what have you to CFOs running hospitals stuff, and it's been good and bad. And to some degree, some of this technology has been oriented only around the revenue. Yeah, it's a great point. It's a great that no, that is a great point. Uh, and, and you know, we really took that to heart when we developed our latest tool uh, that Jay was referring to. But in that latest tool, the doctors have always told me, Brad, I don't have time to go to the bathroom. I, I can't, you know, and their desk is stacked. You know, you've been to doctor's office. I, I don't have time to do anything. So whatever you put in front of me, it better be a 10 or 15 second event uh, for me to act upon it. Tell me what I need to inform me. Tell me what I need to do to act upon it and make it a mouse click or a button click or something like that. And we took that to heart. We would like to attract them for one minute or 30 seconds before they see the patient and we're trying to give them all the information they need to know in, a, in using AI in a concise way that says, here's what you need to pay attention when you walk through that door. I think we're going to have a winner over it. But, uh, but you know, the EHRs grew up. They gave them some information, but, oh, my gosh, who had the time to read the pages and the pages and the pages of information? Docs just don't have time in their day to do that. And as we've cut reimbursements over the years, They've had to see more patients, and it just—it's like two angry uh, goats fighting each other. So <laughs> angry goats. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. Some goats. Yeah. Well, have you ever seen? Have you ever seen two I, angry goats fighting each other? Because I've seen and some I, rams. I've seen I some rams. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. They get so they, you know they hit each other so hard. Sometimes one knocks the other out. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you mentioned, I know we got to take a break, but really quick, when you mentioned the issue of the doctors and being so busy, you know, it feels like it, it feels like that the healthcare community has viewed technology, especially as it relates to EHR integration as a requirement. They were, it was forced upon them. Meaningful use was forced upon them. And so therefore, every future technology that they might even consider adopting or that's forced upon them by a large system or an insurance company or a TPA um, just might have that negative connotation. So to your point, Brad, m- maybe fear is part of it and maybe frustration is also part of it as well. Well, I think that's been you and I's mission the last couple of years to say, don't fear this guy. Embrace it. It it will make your life better. And I don't think there's a situation that we presented, Jay, in our lectures that it doesn't make their life better if they'll just open up and adopt it just a little bit. Guys, yep. we're running just a little bit long on this one. Let's take a short break. All of those that were at the Saturday night party with Dr. Jay, here's a song for you. Just substitute a couple of the words. <laughs> so funny it does work but don't go anywhere this episode is sponsored by infinity in the modern age of electronic data interchange infinity is committed to helping clinicians get paid fast so that they can spend less time tracking claims and more times with their patients as a pro advocate for the healthcare industry we create tools that make sense for electronic claims processing and business analytics You couple that with superior support team, we strive to ensure your business is performing at its best. Infinity, committed to the future of claim processing. Listen to the future of healthcare with the data jocks of talk. It's Tech Talk. Well, we're back. It's Tech Talk. I'm Brad Gost, my co-host, Dr. Jay Greenstein. And uh, we're talking with Rob McDonald today. Rob, it's it, that was first segment was great. Jay, why don't you finish yeah, I mean, with it, buddy? I love this conversation. And what, what comes to mind for me is a question around um, but the adoption of, of technology for providers. Like, what can providers do to, to expedite their adoption of technology? That's one question. And the flip side of that coin is, what can tech designers do? What can we do as technology companies to make it easier for the doctors to adopt more rapidly? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, the adopting existing tech uh, more rapidly is always difficult, right? Because there's really two categories of obstacles. Uh, One category is skill set. Do I need to upskill? And the other category is just time, right? What am I going to do to actually make this accessible? So some of this is just well-worn road, right? But Taking the time inside your practice to really determine where your staff and you are at in those two categories is absolutely critical because you can spend all the time implementing all day long, but at the end of the day, if that skill set is not where it needs to be, then you're not going to be able to use that tool effectively once it's implemented, right? Yeah. And then, and then the other piece is if you just simply don't allow for the time to uh, implement, right, you're just uh, – I see a lot of this, right? I see like, oh, this great tool. Turn the tool on an instant savings or instant outcome or instant benefit. It's just not true. It's never true, no matter how amazing the tool is. So that preparatory time and the honest assessment of kind of where you and your staff are at, I I think are critical. Tools are way better, right? This is not like uh, this will take a year uh, in many cases, but doing that is just fundamental and you got to start there. Yeah, I agree. And and to me, the word that comes to mind also is workflow. Like, what is your current workflow? Do you even know your current workflow? Um, yeah. Is it documented? And then where does the technology fit in to expedite, lean out your workflow to make it more efficient so that you're adding value to the practice? Because if that's not happening, if you're not adding value, then what's the point of adding the technology? And don't you think the staff is the first one to ask in that question? When somebody comes and said, Brad, what software, what practice management software do you recommend? I said, I don't know, but choose three or four and have your staff review them because a lot of times the providers remove from that business flow, Jay. They don't really know. They may be in their head. Somebody said, hey, you need new software for this reason, but it's really the staff that's working with it. And every office has a little bit different workflow. And I think it's important to include, and I'm in complete agreement with Rob, well-train them for that event 
and do it before it becomes a critical mass that they've got to perform that day, that hour kind of a thing. I think that's real important. So Rob, um, you know, when you didn't say very much about what your company specifically does, could yeah. you elaborate on that just a little bit? And then my next question for you would be out of all the things that you're doing, yeah. what piece of technology, either whether you're doing it or whether somebody else is doing it, what do you think in the next year to three years will be the most important piece of technology in healthcare? Yeah. Great question. Yeah. Let me I'll get a quick overview of the company. So, so two things, uh, one, is I'm an executive vice president of platform for Virtru. So we are a data protection privacy company. So we build a platform that allows you to protect data and make sure that you have full insights into where that data is going. So think about the current crisis with Facebook and these companies, uh, not just Facebook, just any kind of organization that is collecting data. In other words, all of them, <laughs> no one knows, right? No one knows what's going on with their data, right? This is a real big issue, right? You saw the recent breaches from the federal government uh, with the solar winds situation. Well, that data itself wasn't protected. It just kind of flew out of the environment because of that zero day or that particular exploit, and you don't have any insight. So this is just unacceptable for the consumer of the future. The consumer of the future, when they contribute their data, they're going to want to know who has access, under what conditions, and where did it go. There just can't be a future economy in this decentralized trust lacking environment without that. So we, we effectively build a toolkit um, and a platform for that, right? So Jay, um, are you listening to this? Because you remember our conversation just a couple of weeks ago, I said, buddy, you have got to take great attention because this is the number one, one of the number one issues in healthcare is privacy and security. We, we pay a tremendous amount of attention and a lot of the money to protect that. And, um, you got to pay attention. What Rob's saying here is, is you're right on. Hundred percent. It's so it's so tough too, right? Because it's it, more today, and kind of part of what I'll be talking about, what I think in the next three to five is your ability and sovereignty as a patient to be able to go between as many different providers and service areas to get the specific care you need is got to be the future. There can't be um, just the local. Um, rural doctor that does everything for you, right? There, we have specialties. We spend all this time in specialties. We spend all the time with these systems. Your ability in the future to be able to take advantage of that system is going to require your data to move more fluently. And that's why a lot of these interoperability standards are, are being pushed, even though some of the big systems are trying to rail against it. And uh, that's, 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 right. that's, that's so that's a whole other rabbit hole. Yeah. It's a whole other rabbit hole. Um, but yeah, privacy, big deal, big passion of mine. Always cared about it uh, significantly. I just think it's really critical for the future. That's what Virtue does. And then also, um, I do product and engineering consulting, right? So I work with companies um, in a lot of different stages, but I love kind of early to mid-stage companies as well because they're really passionate. They're really trying to solve a problem. They really care about it. And the key in that early stage is, you know, how do you position, how are you messaging to that audience? Because the faster you can see if there's resonance with your understanding of the world, your philosophy, your distinctive competency, and that um, particular target market you're going after, the faster you can get to resonance there, the faster you can narrow in on your appropriate product path. And I think helping companies in that stage is just really rewarding for me. So I do some time uh, product and engineering uh, consulting as well. Um, that's great. You know, we're coming, our tool is, uh, we just completed the contracting and um, actually signing off next week, but uh, 79 hospitals in Texas. That's uh, fantastic. We'll be, yeah, we'll be moving data for 2.1 million patients nightly and uh, doing analysis. So security is really, we, we've gone to the point of triple identity proofing yeah. and uh, we are UDAP certified in that aspect. So, you know, we, we're going to allow the patient to have a, as active of a role in this tool as the doctor or the hospital or any outside piece. And so it's important because I think the patient is the weakest link there, you know, because you can't ever tell what cookies they've got and what viruses they've got on their machine, who they really are, you know, the security yeah, pieces absolutely. of that. And so we're trying to pull all the stops out and in, in doing that. And by doing the triple identity proofing, we know who they are 
probably the best you possibly can and yeah. uh and using you know two and three factor authentication in the same process of of doing it so uh, kudos to you for what you're doing in that well that'll pay that'll uh pay dividends brad i mean i've been talking about this long before it was popular but reputation is critical uh, you can't it was always a secondary investment or it was a regulatory investment and people just missed the point for so long no, you're investing in privacy and security because you're the steward of that patient and that data, and you're doing the right thing. If you want a, a, a lifelong customer, if you want high retention rates, you need to show them that your brand means trust. And what does trust mean for you? Brand is what you do consistently for a long time so someone can depend on it. Brand's not something that marketing is like, this is what I'm going to do this week, <laughs> right? Right. People get right. brand completely wrong these days, right? And uh, the brand of the future has to be built on uh, trust, trust and reputation. And I think your investments will pay dividends for sure. I know that I am looking for healthcare companies that take it as seriously as you do. Well, it's a, it's a, it's expensive thing to do. It yeah. takes a lot of manpower to do. Uh, who do you think in the healthcare space now, I, I, I don't know how you would answer this question, but who do you think in the healthcare space is one of the top two or three authorities in accreditation or privacy and security? Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not a big fan. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm not a big fan of uh, some of the historical healthcare security accreditation entities as a concept. I'm glad everybody should, everybody should pick one. It's better than none is what I, first off I say, right? Because what you got to do is you got to have a foundation first, right? The foundation right. first is typically going to be allowing us some kind of NIST or SOC framework. They all, they all are born from something like that, right? right. Um, picking one that has some past performance is going to give you a good foundation, meaning they're not new and they have other organizations. But all that, what that does do is that gets you up to, okay, now we're all collectively agreeing to this being what's okay, right? Now what's right. interesting is going outside of healthcare and looking at some of these newer organizations, these tech organizations and saying, what are they doing to look, look future, look farther forward, look at these privacy regulations, CDC, CDPA, um, GDPR, what are they doing? And start saying, which of these pillars am I going to invest in above and beyond my baseline? I think that is what's important. The merger of those two is what's critical. Because privacy and security are no longer separate things. They were always separated in a lot of the controls right. in the past. You cannot view those as separate things anymore. And I think that's how I would answer that question. I hate to kind of like highlight one accreditation firm above another one because I well, think they're all related to things. Yeah, that's why I said it might be hard for you to answer. But I know we let's talk in the federal government. They look yeah. at high trust. Uh, yep. Uh, FedRAMP is a big one in the government. I just yep. came across FedRAMP. And, and what's funny about FedRAMP, and I'm not knocking FedRAMP in any way here, guys, sure. but what's funny in FedRAMP is there are very few certified in FedRAMP, but they're all hanging on FedRAMP, folks like uh, AWS or Azar that Microsoft that have that level of FedRAMP and they're saying, oh, because I use a cloud-based, now I'm FedRAMP. I just said, no, that's, that is not it. I, I have my own in-house data center. We spend millions of dollars on that to keep that compliant and running. And it's just, I just, I think it's wrong. And I think that's where there'll be some breakdown going into the future, especially in the government side of it of how they're protecting that. I think there will be breakdown because you got these tertiary and, and quadrary kind of companies that are hanging on the coattails of these big guys in the cloud, and it will cause a problem at some point in time. I could not agree more. I Look, FedRAMP is, uh, to some degree, if you want to do business, you need to get FedRAMP moderate, right? You got to get somewhere in that range. We're FedRAMP moderate. It's great. You got to do it. You got to, it makes you go through the controls, et cetera, but you can't stop there. What, what, what ends up happens with a lot of these regulatory and these frameworks is so, someone sets it and it makes everybody feel really cozy. Oh, okay. Someone's got a playbook. So let me go follow the playbook. And now I'm just completely safe, right? Well, the government is no. as high, as high FedRAMP as possible and SolarWinds completely unwound the entire government. So, so right. the answer is no. You got to take it very. You got to take personal responsibility within your organization to determine what crown jewels you need to go above and beyond for. Whatever your baseline is for your industry to accept, accept it. Go do your certification. That's great. 
but you have to take an assessment of your data and what's most critical to you and your organization and go above and beyond for that. It's just required these days. You know, and it's not a, it's not a one and done, Sergey. It's not no, a one and done at, it, by any means. And that's what I try to tell doctors. You, you can't just go buy this package or buy this router or buy this firewall and it's over with. No, it's, yeah. it's for us. It's every day. It's the protocols, the security checking that we do constantly. I mean, my guys wear, wear pagers, the old-fashioned pagers. I mean, they're getting notified anytime anything falls out of that, that framework. They, they react. They're on call 24 hours a day. I mean, they, they take that seriously. And every year, we're audited. Yep. And every other year, on site, two days, they come and tear us apart, you know? <laughs> Well, it, it's tough to do it. it. Think about it from the healthcare perspective, right? So if you go to your doctor in December and then you get cancer gen one and you don't get an audit again until December of the next year, how far can that cancer grow till then? That's a great analogy. It, it can great kill analogy. you. It depends on what yeah. type it is, right? So it's no right. different. You've got to view it as, and I almost recommend to some of these smaller practices, you got to make it as uncomplex as possible. So instead of buying every possible widget and tool, every router, every newest thing, that's one more service area for the, for someone to breach. So take a look at what is absolutely required, what your data journey is, choose the right vendors and simplify because you got to get your arms around all that. It's your responsibility every day. It's tough. I have a lot of sympathy and empathy for these healthcare providers. It's getting more complex every year. I'll tell you what, the, when, you, when you guys are talking about these regulatory requirements and the standards that exist and taking it a step further, what came to mind for me as, as a clinical guy is the, the quality measures that are put down, let's say, by Medicare. Like, record these three or four or five quality measures, and we're going to give you a dollar more per patient. But if you really want to actually drive quality care and outcomes in your practice, you have to do better than those quality measures, which are not even really predictive in any way, shape, or form. Because first of all, every patient's different, but there, there's not demonstrable evidence that doing those things actually has improved outcomes over time. So, so for the clinicians out there listening, yes, we have our own requirements as well. They are not the same, obviously, as the data and security requirements that exist for Rob and Brad, but we still have to take our, I would say, standardized quality measures that are being put down by regulatory organizations and taking it a step further by driving improved outcomes for our, your patients. Listen, uh, we're, we're running. We need a break here. So... Uh, hang with us. We'll be back. We're talking with Rob McDonald. The Canvas app, the app that can take your practice to the next level by providing a customized, direct connection between your practice and patients. Through the new built-in rewards program, Canvas can grow new and existing patient numbers and increase your patient's adherence to care plan. What does your custom dream app look like? Elevate your practice with Kaizenovate. And the data doc of talk is Tech Talk. All right, we are back with Tech Talk, my man, Brad Koss, and my friend, Rob McDonald. It is great to have you here, Rob. So, Rob, important question, actionable item for healthcare providers. What's the one most important thing they can do starting on Monday morning that can enhance data privacy and security for their practices and their patients? Yeah, and, and it's not going to be uh, a sexy answer, uh, but <laughs> it is the most important thing you can do, and that is... Um, you, 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 if you don't know where your hard and soft assets are, you don't know what you have to protect. So flat out, start with an inventory of all your hard and soft asset, assets. That's, that's humans, right? That's vendors. That's third party. That's cloud. That's SaaS. SaaS is just someone else's server is what it is. It's not, an, it's not a magical cloud environment that's perfect. you got to know that vendor. Um, and the, the physical hardware, but that's, that's just the one layer. That's what everybody tells you. The thing you need to understand once you have that inventory is what data is moving through that hard and soft asset. Just full stop. Because if you don't know what data is moving through those hard and soft assets, you have no idea what level of protection or what level of 
burden to impose on that asset in order to gain the level of privacy and security you need. You're going to end up doing a peanut butter strategy and you're going to pick one solution for everything and you're going to impose too much burden over here and not enough over here. It's what's going to end. It's going to be an unequal distribution and that's not effective for anybody, right? So I would absolutely start there. That's great. And once they have that information, who would they who would they go to to identify like what their risks are so that they can they can protect them? Yeah, I mean, some of this is, you know, everybody I think everybody needs a Sherpa, right? There's a lot of good consulting and managed service companies out there that will help you apply risk frameworks. But I, I, I like to think about this initially, every practice and organization, you understand what you're doing, right? You're delivering care. And then once you have that data inventory and that hard and soft asset inventory, um, you can then say, okay, as I'm caring for this patient, as this patient moves through my care, when is this data coming into question, right? And on what asset? And the, and the convergence of those two is going to are going to be your risk, right? So if one of those, for example, is a bring your own device from one of your uh, front office individuals, and they get to work from home, and all the patient data goes to there, high risk, right? Because now yeah. it's completely in an environment. It's more in, is environmentally riskier. So then then you're going to be able to say high risk. So I'd I'd first just start by uh, laying out that patient journey over that data journey to say, okay, look, I know my practice. Where is it higher risk? And then you can bring in regulatory risk frameworks like NIST to then apply like actual risk um, uh, frameworks that you're going to be measuring quarter over quarter and, and, and year over year. That's super helpful. And I, and I will tell you, like for any of the healthcare providers that are out there listening, um, you know, if you've if you've never been hacked, I would I would strongly encourage that you listen to Rob's advice because I have been hacked, and I've I've told this story many times. Brad and I we've been on stages across the country, and I've I've told this story in the spirit of trying to help people not deal with what we dealt with. But somebody clicked on an email, literally clicked on an email that they shouldn't have, um, and we were hacked. We uh, it was ransomware that hacked one of our, one of our legacy servers of our old system. Uh, we're now in the cloud. We use Genesis, but previous to that, we used a server based system. And, and it, it was one of the most stressful, if not the most stressful experience that I had, because it wasn't just the financial issues that we had to deal with. I mean, it was hundreds of thousands of dollars in costs, but it was the stress of having to put on the front page of our website, literally that we had been hacked, letting all of our patients know that we had been hacked. Like we followed every single regulatory requirement that we needed to follow. And by the way, putting on the front page of your website that you've been hacked is not good branding. Like that's not the branding that you want to bring in more new patients. So um, I would just encourage everybody to take this advice to heart. I, I look, I, I'm very people centric. I, I said this in the beginning and, you know, one of my favorite quotes from one of my most favorite industry uh, thought leaders, Bruce Schneier, is if you if you think you can solve your security problems with technology, then you don't understand the problems and you don't understand technology. Right. Because at the end of the day, that's why I started with the data thing first. Right. You have to understand where your data is moving into what humans and through what software before you start bolting on tools. Right. Yeah. You've got to understand that first. So his quote is just simply saying, um, right, you can't, it's, it's not turtles all the way down, right? You can't just like buy a security software, buy a security software, buy a security software, buy a security software. If, the fun, if your fundamental issue is who has the data under what context do they have the data, for example, right? You've got to understand that root first. And no one is better at understanding that than the practice themselves. They're entering the data. They're updating the data. They're working with the patient. They know that life cycle, right? Yeah. So go through that first, intimately understand that, and then apply framework and technology. You know, if you, if you simplify it down in the way I explain it sometimes, is it's, it's an in and out thing. Uh, it, it's what's coming into your system, what's going out of your system. And, and we quickly found emails uh, where they were going on the websites you know, keystrokers, data trackers, those kind of cookies get loaded and people don't even understand those things. And it's, and then if you are storing in a cloud, where is that cloud located? HIPAA applies to America, but it doesn't to India or China. And if your data is on a cloud and they say they're compliant, it, it might be stored somewhere in China or India. Nothing against China or India, but... You, If you don't even really know when the health and human secretary comes knocking on your door and say, where is your data? And you go, I don't know. That's not going to be a pretty picture. 
You know, you, you are the trustee. You, in the chain of trust, the doctor is the one, when they sign that little piece of paper, the patient is passing that to you. And, and you are responsible for that data and what you do. And not knowing where it's stored, how it's accessed, when it's accessed, is not justification just because you're a doctor, because you're now a data trustee. And, and I think that's important. Docs, docs don't really get that. You know, they buy a computer, stick it under a desk or in a closet somewhere and say, I'm secured and I'm stored. Or they ship it off because their practice management software has a server in the cloud. And that there's a lot more that had a lot of more questions that have to be asked before you can say your data is secured. And, and you're right, Rob, as we get to the interoperability and we're now exchanging a patient's data in a hundred different avenues, uh, that's, that's even going to get more clouded. Jay and I have got to spend more time helping docs understand that and, and how to yeah. do it. Yeah, I, you know, I think at the end of the day, ask yourself if this data were, so a lot of people think I'm going to choose this cloud provider, I'm going to choose the software vendor, and therefore I can defer and delegate all, right? Well, at the end of the day, if that data gets breached from there, who who gets hurt? If the answer is the patient, then you got to care, right? Yeah, right. If the Absolutely. answer is not the patient, okay, well, maybe you don't have to care as much. But if you think about, you know, even Ubiquity is a, is a, a vendor that sells um, access points. Well, they just recently had some really sketchy behavior. If you look, uh, I don't know if you all read Krebs on Security. It's a great security blog, but you should read it. But they were really sketchy behavior. They are a security company delivering Wi-Fi access points that everyone uses everywhere, and they had some really bad practices, and they weren't transparent about it, right? Wow. Imagine. You couldn't just say, well, it's their problem. But if, if your patient's data was leaked through them, it is, it is right? And as much as, I, as much as I have a lot of empathy for the, the difficulties of this, you just at least have to be aware that inventory first gives you how how big my arms have to be? What do I have to get them around? And you got to know that first. That's great feedback. I want to I want to go down a different rabbit hole, Brad. I'm, I'm a little a little creative. <laughs> I know where you're headed. I'm, I'm, I know where I'm you're really, headed you? here. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. I'm I'm really curious about your thoughts on in the spirit of data privacy and security. Really, privacy for me. Um, this whole travel passport and the vaccination piece, and mm. like like. I mean, I, I've said this to Brad, I've said this to a lot of friends, like, I don't want anybody telling me what's put in my body. And, you know, why is it the airline's right to know whether or not I took a vaccine or not? And especially, you know, this early on, not knowing what the long-term ramifications potentially are. I'm just like, nobody's telling me that. So I'm curious to know what your thoughts are around the whole, like, vaccine passport, immunization passport stuff. Yeah, I'm surprised the DC immune system hasn't rejected you yet. Like they're fully embracing this passport. I'm like, you beware. No, I'm kidding. I look, technology is amazing, right? So we 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 have analogs today, right? You can't get on a plane without a ticket. That ticket goes to a registration system, and all the three-letter agencies know where you're at, right? Like so, we've given up so much to this point. People just don't know how much they we've given up. Like I, I would I would this is my this is my passion and privacy for everybody to step back and go, wow, we have given up a lot. Do a little bit of re homework there. With that being said, this is an interesting convergence, right? Like up till now, you know, in the state of Texas and various places, you can get um, um, waivers for immunization stuff for your kids, and so you can continue to do that. This is a unique situation. This is a very merger of uh, state and church, a state and uh, a government and church, right? And to some degree, it's a it's a merger of healthcare to go do business, right? It is really unique. I, so here's my answer. My answer is um, it's undoubtedly going to happen in some form or fashion. The question is, hmm. will we require of these institutions mandating it? a use of technology that will preserve your privacy, right? Today, that's not what's happening, right? So what's happening is a lot of these bigger firms um, who've done great things like Clear and what have you, they're probably going to get selected for various digital passports, but you have no idea what they're doing with your data at all, right? So while I, I'm very much in favor of people having a choice to do their choice to do what they want to do, and I'm very much in favor of a, a business being able to do what they're supposed to do, it's their business, right? If the technology comes, the least we can do is require that that data be in your control and your sovereignty as the individual that is contributing it, right? And that's not the way it's shaping up right now, and that's the biggest concern for me is. They're probably going, it, it looks like it's rushing, it's moving very fast, 
And as like most things, right, they'll get to the very end and they'll do the thing that gets it across the finish line and privacy will be over here as a, as a secondary thought. Yep. And, and, I, and I just hate that because we have the technology, right? We absolutely have the technology to do and this. And you need right. to call virtue, right? They do. They do. They do. <laughs> I agree. I didn't want to say that, but there's not, you know, we're not <laughs> the do. only worry. We're not the only warrior in this fight that could solve this problem. I, we're, we're my favorite, but we're definitely not the only one. I wish they would. And we work with government. We're trying to solve this, but that is something that I, people have to demand this, right? At the end of the day, people have to demand this. That's the, yeah. that's the important key there because right now it's, it's being, it's being, it's going to be misused for other reasons than the intent of, of the virtual pa- passport, Jay. I mean, you want to go to Italy or Europe, you're probably okay, but you don't want everybody in D.C. or the world knowing yeah. what you're doing, when you're traveling, what the time frames are. And by the way, I just got an email. The D.C. thought police are after you, buddy. You'll be hearing the cool. sirens come here in just me. a few minutes. Come, come and get me. <laughs> Look, I got nothing else going on. You know, I, I, I implore everybody to be better historians. It's never the first thing they ask for. It's the second thing they ask for you got to watch out for. So That's if they – this has made this first thing is totally viable. It's open businesses. Let's get this moving. And if you kept it at that, that'd be great. But if you give an inch, they take a mile. And that's always the case of industry and of government, good and bad. I'm not saying they have bad intent, but they do. If you look at the history of it, especially when privacy is involved, that first requirement is what gets the door open. And once the door open, people become complacent and they get used to it. And they're like, oh, okay, this is the norm. And then before you know it, right, your dad is everyone and that's you have right. no control over it. It's done. Right. That's great. That's great insight. But for me, the door being open at the very beginning and I get businesses being able to make independent decisions about what they want. But when it becomes the norm where they're going to they're going to determine whether or not they're going to allow me on the plane because I have a vaccine mm. or not. I don't know, mm. man. It's just yeah, it doesn't sit well with me. But maybe that means I have to drive everywhere, or take a boat. Who knows? Well, it's, yeah, risk, it's, it's risk and it's benefit. Tough. It's risk and benefit, Jay. I mean, uh, what is the risk you're going through? But it's odd times right now and we don't talk politics very much on the show, but it, it is odd times and it's probably being motivated by something totally different. I just don't trust big pharma. And, and when I hear I stories either. on the news, like, Oh yeah, not only are you going to get this vaccine cause it's going to save the world, but by the way, you're going to need a booster every fucking year too. So you're just padding the pockets of pharma. And it's like, come on, really? Like it just, Again, I, I've said my piece. I won't go down the crazy rabbit hole more than this, but <laughs> no, it just drives, no, me, it drives me nuts. It's a great rabbit I, hole. I, it is. It drives me nuts. I think, I, I think the appropriate statement is follow the money there, right? I think there's, yeah. always, a truth, there's always a truth to that. I think it's interesting, though, like it, we, the societal, um, you know, what is the average, right? What, what, what does the population say they would accept? This is probably the more enduring concern, right? And if, we've, if we're to a point now where I, I talked about demography earlier, where you have certain demographic stri- uh, striations within our uh, population where this has um, been conditionally okay, that probably concerns me more, right? Where you're not willing to put up a, a concern or a fight or say, prove it to me before we move. I'm setting aside the science for a moment, right? Because I'm not, I'm not a virologist, right? I don't yeah, create vaccines, neither. right? Yep. But the, the lack of um, certain demographics even caring, it's probably my more more of my concern, I think, uh, than than this broader arching uh, efficacy piece, right? It just concerns me a great deal. Yeah, I mean, it's not about efficacy to me. It might, I mean, the vaccine may be safe and it may work, and that's all fine and good. It doesn't mean that I need to be told to take it. And, and then, where does to your point about opening the door, Rob? Like, where does it stop? Yep. If we don't get the flu vaccine every year, are we going to be able to get on a plane? Right. Right. Like, yeah. I just like it. Right. It's just it that door being open really, really concerns me. It's still but, America, and yep. we still should have control of our personal, private lives. I, I mean, I think that's true in every aspect. I think most Americans believe that, but it's it, it's like signing up for an app on a phone. It's just become so easy to click, yes, I accept the terms and agreements. Stop one time and read the terms and agreements. You're giving up a lot by doing that. And... Um, it's it, it's sad, Rob. Let's uh, we always in this segment ask about you personally. Are you married, Rob? I am. Kids? Two. Two, Two kids. boys. Two boys. How? What are their ages? Uh, soon to be twelve and uh, soon to be five. Really close to both. Twelve and five. Those are great. Great. Are they the apples of your eyes? Because most entrepreneurs say they drive my life. 
Is that true with you? Oh, a- absolutely. They're absolutely first. Yeah, I, I try to I try to orient uh, what what job, what environment around being able to spend time with them more. It could not could not be more true for me. And before we get into uh, the next level of personal information, uh, what what would you like audience to know? Most of them are healthcare providers. Tell them how how they can get hold of you what kind of things that you can do for them. And so, so it's really putting yourself out there and letting them know what to do. Yeah. Well, first off, I'm happy to, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys have shown us, I should have asked before, certainly happy to leave uh, an email address and I always love, I actually, um, not actively on, not active on social media for the privacy concerns, except for LinkedIn. I do spend time on LinkedIn. I think those are two really good conduits, but I will leave my email address and I'd love for people to reach out to me. I, this is not, you know, I, I really enjoy, um, collaborating just full stop. So if you just have an idea or you want to just chat and bounce something off of me uh, around an environment or a problem you're having or, um, or some an idea that you have, let's just do that. This is not just about consulting. It's really about relationships. And I, I value those relationships because what this industry is doing, I'm not a practitioner. I feel like my job is to build ecosystems and environments and technologies to facilitate what you do. So I'd love to learn more and I love to build relationships in the healthcare community uh, first and foremost. And take him up on that people because I can speak in firsthand experience. He's phenomenal. The dude's a rock star. So take him up on it. Thank you. What else could we ask him, Jay? Let's. I got one really important question. I think that, you know, we're kind of running towards the end, but Hey, one really important question, Rob, who is the worst owner in the NFL? Is it Jerry Jones or Dan Snyder? Uh, it's Jerry Jones without question. I can't, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't even with that guy. He's just, uh, his, his incentives are so, uh, biased against the family coming to the ball game. I'm, a uh, more of a green Bay fan than I am a Dallas fan. I know that will probably get me in a lot of trouble. Yeah, I can hear <laughs> the sir- I, just, I can hear the sirens now. The yeah, cowboy police right. are after you, that's buddy. Right. That's that's right. Um, but you know, I just I love any any team owner team and environment uh, or a community that really supports the community. It's it, you know, and I think Jerry Jones is so far so far away from that. And it's not even funny. Um, yeah. And yeah. And I, I'll, I, and I know a couple of uh, people that have done some work for him and they've completely, uh, completely validated my beliefs. So not my favorite guy. <laughs> it's so funny because for me, it's definitely Dan Snyder and all the nonsense that has gone on with him and the team and the cheerleaders and his inappropriate sexual misconduct activities and the taping of the cheerleaders while they were naked preparing for calendar shoots like the dude is just like the lowest well, that's terrible that's terrible. terrible he's just scum. I feel, like I'm, I feel like i'm not up on that news i think that's different though that that's that's not team owner issue that's human issue like that is the, that's right like if i if you were to separate worst, the business like, person right yeah yeah i mean based on evidence i think he wins uh <laughs> yeah. for sure yeah totally. that's terrible well that's great rob we're out of time. Jay, it's, oh man, you know, it just keeps going and going and going and I never want to stop, but you know, we got to consider the audience. They only have a certain time to listen. Let's push the point. If you're one of our audience members and you're not following us, click that button, follow us. We're on Facebook. You can hear us on anchor FM, Apple iPod, follow us. And, and Jay, it's been a lot of fun again. It's been Always. great. Rob, thanks so much for being here, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys including me. Thank you. You bet. I'm Brad Cost, my co-host, Dr. Jay Greenstein. Have a good day. That's a wrap. See y'all. Come on. And the Data Doc of Talk is Tech Talk.